This is Jimmy Scroggins. I'm the lead pastor at Family Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. In this current COVID reality, we're focusing on all the ways that we can stay flexible, adaptable, and agile so that we can impact our rapidly changing world for the sake of the gospel. We're all in this together. We're all learning from each other. We are church for the rest of us. Hey, welcome back to Church for the Rest of Us. Jimmy Scroggins here with my co-host, Leslie Bennett, as always, broadcasting from our studios high atop the skyscraper at Family Church downtown in West Palm Beach, which is actually on the third floor. Also with us, join us via Zoom, our great friend, Dean and Sarah from City Church in Tallahassee. Dean, thanks for joining us today on Church for the Rest of Us. Hello to our friends in West Palm. It's good to see you all. Only about six hours from Tallahassee. Yeah, that's right. But we still know how to get there, don't we? That's right. And Dean, you're a lifelong Miami Hurricane season ticket holder, so I just want to throw that in. My kids are fourth generation. There you go. And uh, committed wearer of the Cole Haan footwear. Oh, yeah. I, I think I have probably the best shoe Sunday game in the Southern Baptist Convention right now. Yeah, I'm not crazy about your socks, but I do like your shoes. They're great. And Leslie, Dean and City, City Church have been just great friends of ours for many years now. They sure have been. And the other thing that we have in common, Pastor Dean, is your love for Tom Brady, because my son is a huge Tom Brady fan. So I'm always telling him that he should follow you and on Twitter. That's awesome. And have that in common with you. So it was a fun postseason for sure. (laughs) So Dean, so you follow Dean on Twitter, you should because he's a lot of fun to to listen to. But Dean's favorite uh, compliment is to call you Brady class. And his favorite slam is to call you a jabroni. So I love that about you, Dean. Hey, uh, we're talking multi-site today. And so, Dean, what I'd like to do is just have you share with us a little bit about City Church's kind of multi-site journey. I think several years ago, I actually had the opportunity to have some conversations with you and your team as you were preparing for that. I know you were talking to a lot of people and uh, you guys did launch another site. So I'd just love for you to just kind of share with our listeners something about your journey. Yeah, and those conversations are so helpful for us. Our church at the time was to just turned 10 years old. Yeah. Uh, we are about to be 14 now. And, are you still um, a church we, planter? I mean, what are you now? Yeah, I mean, I still get invited to young pastors' luncheons, so I'm not really sure. So I guess we're still a yeah, church I don't. planter. I don't know. And yeah. so we started having that conversation of, okay, here we are. Church is going well. We have this great building. Do you keep adding services? Do you expand more? Kind of like, what's if we want to reach more people in our city, what does it look like? And Tallahassee is, little, is different than than a West Palm. There's no like Palm Beach Gardens or Wellington or, you know, there's no like surrounding different kind of towns in the county. There's just Tallahassee. There's no suburbs. So right. we're trying to strategically think about so how do we do that? So I guess you just kind of go to another corner town in Tallahassee and see where there aren't a lot of churches. And that's kind of how we started exploring it. It was like, hey, what's considered a far drive in our community for Tallahassee Drive? That instead of just trying to add services from people that might not drive 20-something minutes, 30 minutes to get here, and instead we went over and tried to reach an actual neighborhood in a side of town where life was happening. So that was after conversations with you guys, a lot of prayer, a lot of back and forth, that we decided, hey, let's let's go give this a shot. And so instead, instead of adding a third service here, let's go and, and try to start a, a second campus across town. And that's what we set out to do. And so how was that transition for you, Pastor Dean, moving from being a single site pastor to being a multi-site pastor, somebody who's gone through that recently? It was a challenge because I think we, we really were trying to wrestle with what, what is our identity. It's like we were never f- like fully at the beginning settled on what it was going to be from a preaching standpoint. Is it going to be 
videos are going to be kind of a hodgepodge of some live, some videos are going to be me running back and forth, the campus pastor preaching, you know, rotating five guys on our staff. I feel like I never really was settled convictionally on, on that. I'm just being honest or for people that are listening to this and that maybe you're are working through the same thing. So I think that was always hard for me because I never fully landed, like, I guess, in my spirit, I guess you could say, about what it needed to be from a preaching standpoint. So that was a challenge for the rest of the staff. It was a big adjustment because our kids team, you know, we didn't have the, the budget just to go build an entire staff for a second campus. Right. So our kids team, for example, is used to having four staff members on a Sunday and they went to two because we sent two over. But the other campus didn't really lose people. <laughs> you know, like we, right. we sent people, but it replenished right away after we sent people over. So that just made things complicated for everybody for trying to figure that out. So it was it was definitely a, there was excitement but also a pretty big challenge. But the other flip side of that is it threw people into leadership faster than they would have been able to in a good way if we'd just been at one campus. So your person who was like a number three in command now became a number one and, and that type of thing. So that was very valuable for us. And it makes you get another number three. So it does for both sides. <laughs> I so resonate with that, Dean. We've experienced that over and over as we've launched new campuses or new churches is that you think you can't afford to send your best leaders because then what are you going to do? But the truth is, you can't afford not to send your best leaders because then it causes new people to step up who have been sitting on the sidelines. But it also gives you an opportunity, as you said, to advance some people. And you guys did that. And I also want to just mention, you said that you hadn't settled convictionally on what to do with the preaching. And I think that is a huge question that every multi-site church needs to kind of wrestle with. But I would also just encourage you, everybody listening, that I don't think there's a right answer to that question. I think there's a lot of ways to skin the cat. There's a lot of great ways to do preaching and to figure that out. So I just I just want to say that there's no shame in your game if you're kind of feeling unsettled about that or not sure what to do. It's okay. A lot of us are wrestling with that all the time. Yeah, and I think you get to turn on the noise a little bit too because there's so many voices out there, articles about how you know, you're Satan's third cousin twice removed if you do video. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Like that. So, yeah, you got to turn off the noise sometimes and really just get wise counsel people you trust and, and go and make a move. Yeah. And I completely reject all that. kind. Of, so I kind of feel like, hey, if you want to be a single site pastor with one service, like our friends at Nine Marks, I'm 100% in favor of that. If you want to be a multi-site church uh, that does video, like our friends at J.D. Greer at Summit, go ahead and do that. If you want to do a live teaching model like we do, do that. I mean, I'm for all of it, and I believe that the Scriptures give us the freedom to contextualize some of this. And even my friend, uh, Jonathan Lehman, although he would dispute that, we're still friends, and I'm still thankful that he's talking about these things. So, Pastor Dean, you mentioned to us before we started recording that COVID has had a great impact on your move to go multi-site. So why don't you tell us what's happened since March of 2020? Yeah, so we started our second campus. We called it our East Campus. And that met at a middle school here in town. That's really the best thing Tallahassee has to offer for new starts, church plants, is schools. Well, that's probably common in a lot of places. We don't only have like theaters or performance art kind of places outside of the university. I thought we were going to go. The only real hope. And we, also, we didn't have the time or the money to go take out rental property, do a build out, you know, all those kind of things. So school just made the most sense. Already built out for the stage and you know, all those type of things. Easy for children stuff because there's classrooms. Uh, so we went there and it actually was great. It was new for our folks to have to go to portable again. See, a challenge for us was we were portable forever as a single site church. 
And then we actually went to this building we have now. So I think our folks are kind of like, we don't have to be portable anymore. And then a couple <laughs> years later, we're like, here we go. We need to sign up to set up a teardown team. And they're like, right. what? Right. <laughs> so, but people stepped up as churches always do, church members who get it and are on board for the Great Commission in our city. So what happened, though, is our local school system is really strict about COVID and the facilities. So there's usually dance recitals, meet in the schools. They can't be there anymore. There's Boy Scout troops, even like flag football after school. I mean, all kinds of things. And so we got kicked out because of that. And we had a great partnership. It wasn't the principal's fault. She loved us being there. What happened was they don't let anyone use the facility besides the 8.30 to 3 o'clock school day, Monday through Friday. So right now, and again, I think it's probably just a good conversation for the listeners about multi-site. It's not just like, hey, we started multi-site and it's blowing and going and it's awesome. No, it's like we started multi-site and we don't have one right now because we had to. <laughs> You're crushing it, to, man. We had to suspend the campus because there's nowhere else to go, nothing to do. And the thought of trying to come back after being down for four or five months with lockdown at two campuses, one we couldn't physically if we were going to use the school. And second, it just sounded like it was not the best way for us to come back. So now we're just started with our elders and some of our staff. We kind of like a multiplication. What does it look like for us kind of subcommittee of our elders who are talking through now? Okay, now that we're starting to get back somewhat normal, we're probably about 60% right now of what we were but with more folks coming back every week. Okay, now what does multiplication look like again? Is that exactly where we want to go? Is that the best option? Should we plan an autonomous church instead in town that we help get going? So it'd be a transition kind of thing. Or do we go full speed multi-site again like we were trying to do before? And it went well. It wasn't gangbusters, but it went well. And the folks that we had to sit down and tell that it was having to be suspended were really upset about it. And that kind of communicated a lot to me. Wow, these folks have really built community here. They really love this campus. They were really pretty heartbroken about it. So that actually, you know, I felt for them in that. But at the same time, I was like, wow, this actually worked. <laughs> you know, they, they they really went all in. They weren't going, oh, man, we're the JV campus. Or we're the, when there's only two campuses. It's easy for that to happen. Yeah. Uh, especially when we broadcast from the other one. I'm at the other one. You know, that, that type of thing. So the fact that they loved it so much was like, okay, there's something here to where I think if we did it again, most of those folks would go right away again. Yeah. So everyone understands what kind of scale we're talking about. You planted your church from scratch. 14 years ago out of your own living room. And so tell us about kind of what scale we're talking about. So at your original campus now, we have your own facility, which is awesome. I've been in there several times. How many, how many people normally attend there? Like, you know, if everybody was, if you're hundred percent. Over 15, 1600 people, which for Tallahassee, just for perspective, That's of giant is, is so crazy. Got that. Yeah. And then you sent how many people over to your new campus when you started it a few years ago? Over 200. All right. And then that, that was they, a challenge for us. It was so new. That was really right. a challenge for us to get everybody on board to go. All right. So you sent 200 people and did they go down, go up, stay stable? Like what happened over the time then you were doing that campus? It fluctuated between stable to dropping a little bit by 30 or 40 along the way. The concept of multi-site, multi-campus was just so unique in our town. Mm-hmm. Then when we first sat down and talked to people about it, they were like, why would we do that? We can drive <laughs> from there, yeah. Yeah, because in their minds, church was you grow a big building, and we've seen this church become what it is and you know, in our community, and it's really an influencer in Tallahassee, by God's grace. And you know, we've seen 4,000 people at our Easter service. I mean, just crazy yeah. stuff like that. So they're going, why would we want to go split up our church? And they would see it as kind of like us and them. Like, oh, we don't want that person to go over there. We want them singing here on stage. 
they just right. didn't really get it. A lot of people. So we, if I had to do something over again, we might have spent a little bit longer casting vision and and investing more in the, in the original launch team. Even though there truly was a team that was fully on board and went over and made it happen, I think we went a little too quick. Yeah. So talk about that. Like, what would you try to do? What would you try to build into that launch team before you sent them if you were doing it again? More people. And I think I'd have spent more time getting the rest of the church who wasn't going to get why we were doing it. You know, they were kind of like, oh, okay, cool. But the other side of them was like, why? Like, why do we do that? We have this great place here and it's not that far away. <laughs> you know, like, why are we doing that? So I would have spent more time doing that, just trying to like maybe more individual, small group meetings. Because one thing to cast a big vision from stage, you know, it's another thing to actually go sit down with folks and go, hey, we need you to get this. And here's what we're like some key people. But, but I think we would have spent, I think we probably would have figured out the staffing differently, like who was best uniquely situated to go over and do that. Maybe people who would have served the church in better roles and the roles that they were in, kind of those type of things. The school, we probably would have stayed with the school because it, it was the best option in Tallahassee to have a school like that. But I, I think we just would have done more big picture so the whole church got it together, that everybody understood yeah. rather than just a few couple hundred people. I think that's so important because there's sometimes when you really don't need buy-in, you just need permission. But there's another yep. sense in which if you're going to really support something financially and by sending people and resources, it does cost you something at the mother campus to plant something new. I mean, if it doesn't cost you anything, you're not you're not doing it with enough you know emphasis. And so I think that's a really great point. And that's something that all of us need to learn from, Dean. And I also think that Part of what happens when we staff a new campus is we don't think hard enough about what it means to put conveners at that campus. And by conveners, I just mean people in your church that naturally are able to pull people in and pull people together. And you're a convener. You're like a natural convener yourself. So you probably don't think a lot about it. You're just like, well, why can't everybody just have a meeting and have a bunch of people show up? I mean, just have a meeting yeah. and a bunch of people. You know, totally just that? Yeah. And, <laughs> and of course, you just realize that there are only some people that are naturally that way. But if you start something new and you don't put some of those people there, no matter how organized they are or how gifted they are, if you don't have conveners in the mix, it's hard to get people behind it. And again, if there wasn't COVID, our campus would still be going. I mean, Lord yeah. willing. And hopefully we would have grown by now and those type of things. But I think maybe the biggest discouragement I had was we didn't see a ton of new people come. Mm. We see that happen every week by the dozens and dozens at our other campus, our, our original campus, it's we call our Sessions Road campus. I mean, every week to this day, we see dozens of new people, but we never we didn't see a ton of people from the area in the community. We saw some, we actually saw some people come, come to know the Lord from the area, that area and get baptized. We saw some neat things happen, but just not quite what we thought it would be. But again, I had to go, okay, it's only been two years, you know, uh, so still kind of getting settled there, but I, I'm like, a let's go, like take the hill kind of guy. So it's, so multi-site and any kind of church planning is a little tricky for me because I'm like, a, I'm just such a like results now guy to a fault. I know that's not a great thing, but that's just how I'm wired. So that, that, that was really a challenge for me to have to be patient through some of that. One of the things that I've discovered about helping put new leadership at a new campus is you've got to have what I call lion leaders involved. So you almost have to have someone who's barely willing to work for you over there at that campus. You have to have someone who could basically plan it without you, but for some reason they yeah. just feel called to do it with you. And they kind of believe that because city church is behind me and Dean's behind me, I'm actually going to have rocket fuel. I'm going to do better because I'm with them. But if I didn't have them, I could plant this church anyways. If you don't have that guy, it's really hard to, to make it work. It's hard to have kind of a, it's just kind of hard to have a systems process guy 
convening and running a campus that needs to grow. Yeah, or, or just kind of like a faithful, really faithful shepherd, pastoral kind of guy. That's right. You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, but you, you really do need to take the hill kind of person, in my opinion, to go. Yeah, and, do and that. it's hard to find those guys. And it it's is. also hard. Uh, most of those guys are already out there doing it and they don't really sure. need your help. So, yeah, they're, they're, they're guys they're like you who are starting stuff in their living room. That's exactly right. Well, <laughs> well, listen, one of the things that we're battling and struggling with as a church is as we come out of COVID, regardless of how many campuses we have, like how are we measuring engagement? And I know that's something that we're talking about every day at Family Church and the people at City Church are so smart. Yeah. So what are you thinking about, Dean, as you think about this new reality that we have? We're, we're saying we can't talk about what it was like before COVID. We're not allowed to say that here. We have to talk about what is right now. And so with what is right now, how is your team looking at the people that are coming and how are you engaging with them? We have to connect people right now, I think, better than we've ever connected people before. So like connections, 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 that's our conversation. And we have got to move people into the life of the church. Because it's those who really were in the life of the church beforehand who are the ones who stuck around, you know, and who came back quickly, you know, minus people who maybe were 90, you know, years older, you know, we do have that. Or are people that were caring for an elderly parent, that kind of thing. Just that connection point that like we have to be able to make big church feel small. When your church plant and first begin, you kind of wow people with excellence. But they walk in, it's kind of like, wow, I didn't expect all this. They like have it all together here. And wow, it's actually this looks pretty great. And they did a good job. But I think once you get established and get larger, you have to wow people with personal. And I just think we have to be more personal than we've ever been before with people and just more pastoral and more connecting people. And, and also, I think we have to be clear about the message. And that's one thing we're saying now is, look, if we have ever been like just proven right, <laughs> I mean, the resurrection proves us right. But if we ever have been proven right about just how other things are just fleeting and meaningless and vanity and, you know, and that, and that these are the things that really matter, the things of, of Christ, the things, the good news of the gospel. If there's ever been a time to go, OK, this is for real. It's now. <laughs> so if people aren't willing to listen now, we're in big trouble. So we also want people to be white hot evangelists right now and just totally getting after it and not get sidetracked by all the other noise happening in our culture, but to lock in. So by connection, I'll be making disciples too. I don't mean just like getting somebody plugged in, but actually giving them a process. So we're just really trying to be a little simple right now. And the conversations we're having are three main things, connecting people, getting people into our equipping discipleship environments, and then a big plan of how to send people out. So in our like kind of strategic team meetings, those are the three things on the whiteboard: connect, equip, and send. And that's like allowed that. us to lock in. That's allowed us to lock in. Hey man, three things on a whiteboard. That's a lot of us could learn from that for sure. Hey Dean, as you're thinking about multi-site and we're continuing to talk about that, there's probably some listeners that are listening who are kind of thinking like, oh my gosh, we should do multi-site, or maybe they're feeling pressure, or maybe they think it sounds like the coolest thing, or maybe they're already doing it. Now they're kind of like, oh my gosh, this is harder than I thought. What are some things you might just say to guys who are contemplating multi-site or who are just starting out that would be some really good advice for them to hear from you? I mean, I think almost like a, a, just a church plan from scratch. You have to go in knowing it's going to be hard, like it's going to be difficult. And when you're used to like poof and it turns to gold, you know, just like in a crazy <laughs> sort of way. And, and then you, you almost like expect that to happen to just in our own, just in our own, you know, just worldly thinking, you know, we just expect, oh, this was awesome here. So now everybody's going to want to go on this side of town because there's a sign out front that says city church. You know, so, so be prepared to have some humble pie too along the way because it's really complicated. But what I, the advice I would give is you need to really decide, do you think this is the best avenue for our local church to reach more people and make more disciples in our community? 
And the answer might be no. It might be we're just going to keep it this one place and we're going to keep adding services here. That, that, fine. You know, but we learned this. We don't think someone's going to go to church in Tallahassee, Florida at 2 p.m. There's only right. so many. There's only so many. So Saturday night doesn't work on college football town. Yeah, yeah. yeah but just that. Yeah, Saturday night ain't happening in Tallahassee. You know, so that's the question to ask. Hey, do we really think that this is the best option? And you're not signing your life away to it. Like, if it doesn't work as you want it to, yeah, it's gonna stink. Eat a little bit of crow. Might even lose a little bit of leadership cred for a few days or so. You know, a little bit of clout. But you're not signing your life away forever. Like, if you think this is an opportunity to see what is best for our church to reach more people in our community. I think it's worth a shot, especially if you're in a town where people aren't going to drive across town to go to church. There's a lot of towns people people will drive past 25 churches to go to the one they want to go to. That's not everywhere. You know, for, for some people, that that's like, man, I've been driving all week. I'm, I'm in I-95 traffic in South Florida. You know, I don't want to go do that again on a, on, a, on a Sunday afternoon. I want to just relax. Well, hey, we're going to plant a church in your neighborhood. Yeah. We've eliminated the excuses type of thing. So that, that's what I would say. One, expect it to be hard, but also really evaluate and ask the questions. How do we reach more people? I hope every pastor asks that question. How do we reach more people? And as a, as a local church and that, and see if that is the best strategy for you to do that. And if it is, let's go. And then don't be afraid to spend the money and people resources up front. You can't be cheap. There's, I always say there's three things you can't be cheap on steak, toilet paper, and multi-site. <laughs> so, yeah. that's a new yeah. one i put that one on a whiteboard right now somebody tweet yeah. that. that's awesome steak, steak toilet paper multi-site so Dean, I, I just love to... your spirit i love your church i love your team every time i'm at your church or in your building or with your team it's always encouraging and i'm really grateful for you spending this time with us on church for the rest of us but you do have a best-selling book out there called the unsaved christian by moody publishers everybody should get that book and read it it will help your church especially if your church is full of religious type, SEAL Team 6, Green Beret Baptists, they need to read this book. It'll help them think differently about themselves, their families, and their community. But also, you have a brand new book coming out. Let's talk about that. Yeah, May 4th. Thanks for asking about it. It's called Getting Over Yourself. And it's... and it's. Uh, so I guess is that not the most Dean and Sarah title that you've ever heard in your life? I guess it's addressing the jabronis, but no, it's looking at this me-centered faith that's out there that's really popular in Christian Instagram and and just kind of what I call pop Christianity, where the message is that God basically exists for your dreams. And they use all these kind of like little code words like destiny and, you know, uh, the best is yet to come and all those type of things, which I do believe that the Christian life is the abundant life. But let's talk about what that actually looks like. So we're giving Christ, in the book, I'm giving Christ-centered answers to a me-centered faith. I want to help people see what this is and how prevalent it is, how it's influencing so many young people. This kind of new prosperity gospel, I call it. But then not just critical, but then to give real answers about what is the good life with God and actually what does it really mean to be blessed by God in Christ. So hopefully it's going to be helpful for a lot of people. Well, I know that it is. And Dean, I just appreciate your thoughts and I appreciate the way that you are plain spoken and you do it in such an entertaining and interesting way. And one of the things, Dean, that I appreciate about you as a leader is that you have a sharp wit, sometimes a sharp tongue, but it's always with a dash of encouragement and optimism. It's never mean-spirited, and it's always a pleasure. So, Dean, thank you for being who you are in the kingdom of God and the body of Christ, and thank you for being my friend to our listeners. If you're sending anybody to Florida State University, Florida A&M University, anywhere in the Tallahassee area, they should all be going to City Church, except for the ones, our listeners who are also telling us to go to other churches, and your churches are awesome too. All right, so anyways, uh, 
This has been awesome, Dean, having you on the program. I'm Jimmy Scroggins. This is Leslie Bennett, Dean and Sarah signing off. Church for the rest of us. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins or check out FamilyChurchNetwork.com to chime in on our blog. We want to hear what you're doing so that we can all learn from each other. We're in this together. We are church for the rest of us. Until next time, this is Jimmy Scroggins, staying flexible, adaptable, and agile, all for the sake of the gospel.